0: Good morning.
1: Stand with us and praise the Lord.
2: Ladies and Marty, um, so Ace is sick, and I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna tell you right now. I would love to come give you a big hug, and just pick you up and troll you around, especially Stacy. But I have been sick like all week. I have a pretty bad cold, and um, my fellow announcer, my rodeo announcer, told me to order some of these fisherman friend cough drops from England, and they work. So. I, I think we'll make it through the sermon today, but I'm not going to hug you today, but I want you to know I love you, and I'm glad you're here uh, to worship with us today. Uh, today's Family Sunday, we get to take communion with one another and uh, just worship our Savior. Our kids will stay in uh, today uh, in the service, and, and I'm just glad you're here uh, to worship with us today. So bow your heads to me uh, in prayer, and then we'll have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Uh, God, just for the ability to be here today, uh, Lord, and uh, I pray for Ace and our brothers and sisters. I know we have several that are out uh, sick this week and not feeling good, and so, Lord, I pray for them, and, uh, Lord, it is an honor and privilege to get to preach your word today. Whether my voice holds out or not, it's still an honor and privilege, and, Lord, I thank you for that, and I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters being here today and our visitors that are with us today. And Lord, we just glorify and honor you in everything that we do, God. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone. You may be seated this morning. I love that song, too, because our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is not based on anybody in this world but Him. That's it. So it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Just keep following them. Kind of like Footsteps of Jesus. We're learning that one, though, right? It's, it's Ace, isn't it? Is it Ace? It's Ace. We'll blame it on Ace. Okay. If you don't know, if you never heard the song Footsteps for Jesus, if I die this week, make sure that Selena plays that at my funeral, because that's my favorite song, okay? Let's hope I don't die this week. But All right, here's the announcements <coughs> this morning. Uh, Wednesday nights. This Wednesday night's going to kind of be a special week. So Wednesday night, our new associate pastor will be here, Lord willing, that if it doesn't snow too much in South Dakota. They're leaving uh, on Tuesday and should be here Wednesday evening, they're supposed to get some snow up there, um, but he's going to be here Wednesday night, and a lot of you don't know Mike, it's been a couple years since he's been here, um, and so Wednesday night he's going to do a little bit of a Q&A uh, session before we get into our lesson, you can ask him questions and get to know him, and, and uh, so he'll be here uh, Wednesday evening, uh, him and Kim, uh, and then of course we have dinner at 6 o'clock, so we have uh, cooking teams that cook dinner. Every Wednesday uh, at 6, we eat dinner together, and so come. It's a a great time of fellowship before our classes start at 645, and we have kids' classes, we have youth classes, um, all of that. Uh, Men's Bible study and discipleship, it's good for today, I take it, Denny. Men's Bible study and discipleship. Okay, discipleship fellows at 4.30 this afternoon. Men's Bible study at 6 o'clock tonight. Women's uh, ministry, women's coffee is tomorrow at Prickly Cactus at 8.30 a.m. ladies. 8.30 a.m. at Prickly Cactus. And then the women's spring game night is Thursday, March 9th. That's this Thursday. This Thursday night, ladies, at 6 o'clock. Here at the church, there'll be devotions, games, food, Uh, bring finger foods uh, with you if you'd like to come. That starts at 6 o'clock this Thursday night. This Tuesday night is the Bible Trivia Night uh, at the association office. I know we have one team that is formed. Uh, It's at 6 o'clock. I'll double-check the time, but I'm pretty sure it's 6 o'clock, and I'll I'll, I'll message everybody. Uh, But at the association office here in town, if you want to form a team... Uh, usually they take four or five people per team. If you want to come and just try to answer the questions on your own, you can do that. One of our elders did that one year. It was not me, uh, but Alan Greenfield took the test by himself one year and beat every other church in the association. So, uh, that was, it's, uh, so Alan's our team captain. He's the, he's the leader of Bible trivia. Um, but that'll be Tuesday night. And then um, we also have... Uh, soft, the softball team, uh, our manager, I don't Tommy's around here somewhere, I'm sure. There's Tommy, our softball manager. If you want to play softball, practice starts this afternoon at 4 o'clock at Rotary Park. So 4 o'clock on one field. I'm not sure which field that is, but one of the, just show up at Rotary Park. Look for Tommy, 4 o'clock this afternoon for the softball team. Uh, and then our Good Friday service is going to be here before we know it. Good Friday is in April. That's April 7th. Sierra gave me this uh, announcement this morning. It's going to be at 7 p.m., and there will be an Easter egg hunt after the Good Friday service uh, that follows. So what she needs you to do is start bringing in bags of candy. So start bringing in bags of candy, and they'll fill Easter eggs. Uh, but April 7th is the Good Friday service. If you normally don't come to the Good Friday service, I encourage you to come to it. It's a great service. We take communion with one another. Um and we, we celebrate the day that Christ went to the cross for us. It is, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, memorable night and day and, and reflection. It shouldn't be the only time, obviously, we think about that, but it is a time uh, to think about that. Men's Prayer Breakfast is March 18th. That's a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, at Grillo's. Anything else on announcements today that I forgot or left out? Okay, we have uh, outreaches coming up. We'll be here before you know it, so I'm excited about that. Michael probably be getting us some flyers here in the next few weeks for our outreaches. Okay, if you would stand this morning, we're going to take up our morning offering and have our worship time before we jump into God's Word uh, together. So let's bless our morning offering today. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today and, and Lord, to, to worship you freely. Uh, today, and, and Lord, part of our worship is um, honoring you with our best, God, that you've entrusted us. We we don't own everything. We're just simply the managers, and so, Lord, uh, today, I pray that we're being faithful stewards of what you've given us to manage, uh, God, as we give our best back to you. Use that to further your kingdom, Lord, that the gospel will be shared on a local level, on a regional level, and around the world, Lord, for uh, supporting our missionaries uh, and their cause, and, and uh, God, as we give back to you, we do so. Uh, with joy and, and uh, as an act of worship uh, today. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you. Thank you guys for filling in today and leading, and I really appreciate you. Turning your Bibles, if you would. Remain standing. Let's honor God's word together. Today's the last sermon in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. It's the last one in the book of 1 John. While you're turning there to 1 John chapter 5, um, over the next several weeks, I, I always like getting the input of our other elders like, okay, hey, we're getting done with 1 John. What, what should we do? Uh, what book do you want me to start going through? Let's pray about this. i got several ideas. Uh, one, which we settled on, is we're going we're gonna to have some sermons leading up to Easter to talk about the Easter story and Palm Sunday uh, and what Christ did for us on the cross. And so we're going to look at that over the next several Sundays. And then, uh, after Easter, we'll get into Second John. And we'll go through Second John and Third John. And then I don't know after that. We'll, we'll uh, decide after that. But First John chapter 5, just two verses this morning, verses 20 and 21. First John chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, this morning for your word. I thank you for the time this week that I got to spend uh, looking at these two verses. And there is so much here, uh, Lord. And so I pray this morning that um, I'm clear in speech, uh, clear in in thought and mind uh, to give you all the praise and all the glory. And that uh, the body here this morning is ready to understand. uh, And, and Lord... um, Be convicted where they need to be convicted and encouraged where they need to be encouraged. And in all things, God, I want to point people to you and you alone. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we are kind of wrapping up the book of 1 John here. Um, And and John, really, at the end of stuff, you kind of sum up what you uh, have covered in the book. And that's kind of what he does. And we've, we've went through these assurances, if you remember. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but we've went through these assurances that God gives us uh, as believers and so far we've covered these four assurances or four guarantees that God gives us at the end of 1st John. I want to recap just four of them real quick or tell you what they were and if you missed some of these and want to go back and listen to those sermons you're, you can. Uh, they'll be online at our website. I think our media team, Dave, they do a great job at keeping our website up. If you've never went to our website Uh, It is awesome like our website is really really good and just want to plug them real quick for that But here's the first one. It's knowing that we have eternal life So that you can know it is a guarantee from God that you have eternal life number two Is knowing that he answers our prayers knowing that he answers our prayers Um, And and sometimes when he answers our prayers, it's not in our way. It may not be what we like ...or in our timing, but he is answering our prayers. Number three, knowing that you have victory over sin and Satan. Ultimately, when you read this whole book... ...or this collection of books that we call the Bible... ...if you read the end, it's very good. You have victory. We have victory when you're in Christ. There's a lot of debate about the ending and how, what the ending is going to look like. But let me say... If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have victory uh, in the end. The fourth is knowing that we belong to God. Knowing that we are His. We are His children, the sheep of His pasture. And so so today I want to finish out two points. The first one is the final guarantee that God gives us here. And it is is knowing that Jesus Christ is the true God. That is uh, in verse 20. This is really the whole point of John's epistle, or his book here. The whole point of this letter is warning against false teaching about who Jesus was. Jesus being the true God is the foundation of all of Christianity. It's why Christianity exists. Either Jesus was either, he was either a crazy madman who went to the cross for nothing, who was a fraud, who was fake, And all of his followers were liars, or he was God in flesh, going to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. Those are the only two options. And so John writes this, making sure that people have an understanding of who is the true God. One of the greatest questions I think that's ever asked in Scripture came from a man who was lost. Turn to, and it it ties in perfectly today, turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verses 33 through 38. John 18, 33 through 38. It says this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called to Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am king. For this purpose I was born, and this purpose I have come to the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. What a question. What is truth? What is truth? It's a question that I think many, many people, maybe you hear today, wrestle with a question that we ask ourselves over and over a question that I want to answer scripturally today not not me answering but God answering this question through his word what is truth what is truth because we're told in verse 20 that Jesus Christ is what the true God so what is truth in defining what truth is we really need to start with what truth isn't Here's some things that truth isn't. Truth isn't what simple works or that simple works. Truth is not simply what is coherent and understandable. Groups of people can come together with conspiracy theories based upon falsehoods. It doesn't make it true just because you have a group of people that may agree on something. Truth is not what makes people feel good. Truth. Is not what the majority says. 51% can agree on something. And that something can still be very wrong. Truth is not defined by intentions. Someone can have very good intentions. And still be very, very wrong. I think of uh, some, some of my friends that are Mormons. Very good intentions. Great family oriented people. Very conservative, love their families, but they're wrong about the truth of Jesus. They're still wrong. Truth is, not as, truth is not what is publicly proved. A truth can be privately held, such as what? Like a buried treasure. Only a few people know about it, but they, it's still a treasure that's there. The Greek word for truth literally means to unhide something or to hide nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open, available for everyone to see, nothing hidden. There are so many challenges to truth today. One that I think of often is moral relativism. It teaches that truth is relative to the circumstances. And there's no such thing as absolute truth. If that's the case, and moral relativism is true then there's really no point to anything. Then we are simply nothing but stardust. Stars bang together and the Big Bang Theory happens and everything develops from there. So me and you would come from stardust. So things like murder or stealing wouldn't matter. No, you're just stardust. Yet nothing would matter. Another popular one is pluralism. It says that all truth claims are valid. Well, that's impossible. That in itself is impossible. It's really silly. If if one person says that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and another person says 2 plus 2 equals 5, pluralism would say, well, they're both right. We know that can't be the case. The spirit behind this kind of thinking is all over our country today. It's all over. It's in the form of what we call open-mindedness. We see it in a lot of young people. Wanting to identify, sounds silly, but as dogs or cats. We see that. We hear about it. Or they can't figure out what kind of gender, what gender they are. To them, everything is truth. And truth would be based upon their feelings. It's really ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. We, I know, we know that 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 5. So not everything can be truthful. Well, why do people come up with these ridiculous ideas when trying to answer about truth? Because let me say this morning that truth is very offensive. The truth can be very offensive. They come up with these ideas and we're called what? Narrow-minded. Our society would claim... That anyone who says there's an absolute truth is very narrow-minded. The truth is very narrow-minded. Two plus two equals four. That is the only correct answer. There's not another correct answer. Another, another thing that they would say is, well, it's very arrogant. Is it arrogant for Sierra as a fifth-grade teacher to mark the paper wrong when a student says two plus two equals five? Not at all. That's not arrogant. What is she doing? She's sharing the truth. She's correcting a falsehood. It's not arrogant. They would say it is. Well, it's exclusive. It's holding a position of absolute truth would exclude many people. That is absolutely very true. Anybody who answers anything different to the question 2 plus 2 equals 4 would be excluded from getting the correct answer. You see how simple and logical this is? And we, we make it very illogical. People make it very illogical based upon their feelings and what they want to feel. People would say, well, sincerity matters. Being sincere. If you're sincere in your belief, then you're right. Just be really sincere. Listen, I thought of this when I was writing this, but it doesn't matter how sincere I want it to be that my Broncos won the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. They didn't. The Chiefs did, right? Okay. Or it doesn't matter how sincere I am that if I think that rat poison that I put outside If I eat that like candy or like these cough drops, it doesn't matter how sincere I am in thinking that rat poison is candy. If I eat it, I'm going to be in the hospital or be dead. Sincerity really doesn't matter. So why is it so important to understand and embrace the concept of absolute truth? Well, there's consequences when you're wrong. There are consequences when you're wrong. I remember last year, it was kind of funny, but it wasn't. I felt bad for the guy. But we're flying back from Florida. We usually try to fly <coughs> from wherever Allegiant has direct flights to somewhere. Because once you fly one time and, and you're, go on vacation, you're kind of spoiled. I mean, you really are. You're like, man, you get there and you're... Most of the time when we go somewhere before, I was driving. Ask Selena how many times. I'll get them here in a minute if they're not talking, babe. Trust me. This is the baseball team up here. I got plans for you guys here in a minute, okay? But we would drive. But guess how many times Mama drove on vacation? No. I would look over and Mama's out. And all the kids are out. And i drive for 10 hours. And we get to wherever we're going, 10 or 12 hours. And they're bouncing off the walls like, let's go, let's go, let's go have fun. And I'm like, I want to take a nap. I'm tired. I just drove 12 hours. So once you fly somewhere, you're kind of spoiled. I say all that because last year on the way back from Florida... There was a gentleman that got on our flight that from, from uh, in Tampa, St. Pete, that thought he was flying to Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> now, I don't know how you do that, but he figured out how to do it. And he, he got on the plane, and he landed in Springfield, Missouri, and I felt bad for the guy. I felt bad because he was going to have to rent. There ain't no flights from Springfield, Missouri to Springfield, Illinois. So he was going to try to find to rent a car, to now drive to Springfield, Illinois. And it wasn't the airline's fault. He just didn't pay attention. He was booking his flight. He was sincere that he was going to Springfield, Illinois. But he was wrong. He was wrong. Let me tell you this morning. It's, it's a long time. Eternity is a long time, church, to be wrong about the truth. Eternity is a long time to be wrong about truth. So, let me answer the question. I've rambled on now for 10 minutes. What is truth? Jesus is. He answers that. John fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, Jeff, that's very exclusive. Yes, it is. He says, I'm the only way to heaven. That's it. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why is Easter and Good Friday so important? Because Jesus' death on the cross, he took our sins, and when he rose again, he proved, when he was resurrected, he proved he wasn't just a man. His resurrection proved what? That he was the true God. It proved, John 14, 6, it proved his words, that I am the truth. Listen, that's the whole point of 1 John. That's the whole point of the book. Knowing the truth of Jesus Christ. Knowing that he is the true God. Listen, I would love to be able to say this morning, I legitimately would, I would love to be able to say, just believe what you want, there's many roads to heaven, just do you and be happy and live your life and we'll all one day be in heaven together, but that's not what the Bible says, that's not what it says, so we can't relay that message Because that wouldn't be sharing the truth. If I teach my kids or these kids that 2 plus 2 equals 5, you would say you're not a very good teacher. We're not going to have you teach our kids because you're teaching them falsehoods. You're teaching them false things. You wouldn't hire me to be their teacher at all, right? Because you want someone to share the truth With them. The truth. We have to share the truth. That Jesus is the true God. God in flesh and his resurrection proved it. Now, why does he write 1 John? Why does he write it? Here's the second point. It's verse 21. It says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why close with that? What's the last verse in 1 John. Because that's Satan's goal. That is the goal. Beware of idols. What is an idol? An, is an object that you worship or have ex- excessive devotion to. Reverence for some person or thing. It is the sin of idolatry. Turn if you would like, or I can just read it, to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Verses three through five. Still start with verse one. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. What's that what's the what is that the first of? Ten Commandments. The first commandment is, don't have any other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of our father of your of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. This is one of the 10 commandments and God takes this very serious. In fact, he takes it so serious that he says in Exodus chapter 23 verse 13, not to even mention the name of a false god. Don't even let it be on your lips. Not even to worship it, but he says don't even mention it. Here's the verse. It says, pay attention to all that I have said to you and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. He didn't want you talking about false gods. Well, then now we have his children start to marry people that worship false gods. He didn't want that. He didn't want his children to get involved with anybody who worshiped false gods. Because well, what would it do? It would lead them to compromise in their life. It would pull their hearts away. From the one true God. I was reading this week. One of my Bible. My yearly Bible plan. About Samson. Oh man. You, want, you always want a muscle man story. And we'll talk about Coach Jeff. Talk about Samson. Samson. Who laughed at that? Come on now. <laughs> Samson. Samson was the strongest guy in the Bible. God gave him strength. The stories about Samson. What did Samson do though? He wasn't supposed to do. He had lust. And he married women who worship false gods. Pulled his heart away from God. Happened over and over. Happened to Solomon. We talked about him on Wednesday nights. It happens over and over and over. Idols in the Old Testament were made of stone or wood. And the power that they had was only in the mind of the person that was worshiping them. In fact, one of the idols... Dagon or Dagon in 1 Samuel was knocked to the floor twice by God in order to show the Philistines who the true God was. The Bible is very, very clear that only God alone is worthy of worship and praise. And idol worship robs God of the glory that he alone deserves and is rightfully his. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord That is my name, my glory, I give to no other, nor praise to carved idols. God says, don't worship false idols. Don't worship the creation. Worship the creator. Today, there are many religions that bow before idols. Hinduism, Buddhism, they all bow before idols. Idolatry, though, folks, is also a hard issue. It's giving anything else glory or honor or worship or reverence to. Anything else. I'm not going to focus this morning, this last point, on bowing down to to golden statues or wooden carvings. You know why I'm not going to focus on that? Is it a problem across the world? Yeah. But is it a problem in Marshfield, Missouri? I don't think so. Maybe in some sense. But what is a problem is idol worship in our hearts. And here's the idols that we make in our heart. I thought thought of these. It's got three of them. One of them hits home for me. First one, materialism. Getting more stuff. Feeding our egos with wanting more and more. Many Americans build bigger homes, bigger closets, in order to put all the stuff that they buy, which most of it, Hasn't even been paid for yet. It's really nothing more than covetness. It's never enough to make you happy. It's trying to make you happy. The only thing that brings true joy, true contentment and peace in one's life is Christ. That's it. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 tells us that. You can look that one up today later. The second one, pride, ego, obsession with your career or your job, working 60, 80 hours a week, weekends, vacations, all spent working, trying to figure out how to make the business more successful, how to get that promotion, closing the next deal, all the while our families, who God placed us over, are starving for attention and love. The Lord who created us, who gave us the job for us to manage, we spend no time serving in the church body or attending. Oh, don't have time for that, God. Don't have time for that. Jesus warns us of this. I want to read you these verses. It's in Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Some of my favorite verses. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's nothing on this earth, nothing. Nothing on this earth that we can acquire that we can build, that we can gain at all is going to satisfy us. We're going to keep wanting more and more and more. The only thing that satisfies is contentment through Christ. That's it. No amount of money, no amount of jobs. Hey, work hard. Christians should be known for working hard. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're working hard, but now we're working an extra 30 hours a week because I want a bigger house. And your son wants you to play ball with him outside. Dad's not there because he's trying to find, get a bigger house or drive the Mercedes or whatever it is. It's junk. It's garbage compared to what God has given us the responsibility of dads in our households. Here's the last one. This is the personal one. It's a worship of entertainment or sports. In our country today, we worship the entertainment industry. We even have TV shows that are called what? American Idol. We teach our children that it's okay to put God on the back burner if they have sports practice. Some parents travel every weekend all over the country spending thousands of dollars to get them a coveted sports scholarship when they could have paid for college two times over with the money spent traveling. So it's not about college. It's about sports idols. It's about making it an idol. Listen, I don't always make the right decisions on this either. I, be, I, I, I always want to be an open book and transparent with you. Every once in a while, Sydney or Hunter has a basketball game or something on a Wednesday night. And when I go, I, we usually take them. There's been times where they've wanted us to do stuff on Sunday morning and we said no, right? I don't know where Stephen's at, remember? Yeah, you remember. We said no. But there's times when I go to stuff like that, I look around. It literally brings me and Selena to tears. We're broken because we look around and I think about all those kids that should be hearing God's word. I think about that. And I think about when I was a kid, that would not have happened. That our country has slipped into idol worship. I talk to my kids about that a lot. That life alone, baseball team, half of you are here right now, right? You know baseball's garbage. I love it. I can't wait to cheer you guys on. I can't wait to yell at you when you make a mistake too, okay? I can't wait to cheer you on. It's garbage compared to Christ. Don't ever let... If, if, somebody, if you ever hear me or Stephen, your football coaches, tell you, hey, we're going to start practicing on Wednesday night, fire us as the coaches. okay It's garbage compared to Christ. Life is found in Christ alone. Christ brings fulfillment. Christian parents who have children playing sports like me, we have to remember Joshua twenty four fifteen As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want to close with this. I'm going to recap this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. Jesus is the truth. He's the only way. If there is anything in your life that is keeping you from worshiping him, using your spiritual gifts for him, then it's idol. It's an idol. It's an idol. I'm confident this morning that the Holy Spirit will work that out within you. Not my words, but the Holy Spirit working that out. We're also this morning about ready to take communion. This is an extremely important time. I want to tell everyone that we don't require you to be a member here at Crossbridge. You don't have to be a member to take communion with us, okay? What you do have to have done is publicly professed. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Publicly said, Jesus, I put my faith that you died for me on the cross, that you rose again and defeated death. You are my Lord and my Savior. If you've done that, I welcome you to take communion with us. But we're also given a warning in Scripture that I'm going to read this every time until I'm not reading it anymore and I'm in heaven. It's in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, Whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That is why many of you have, are weak and ill, and some have died. Paul gives a warning. He says, Don't take the Lord's Supper, number one, if you're not a follower of Christ. Because what? You can get sick or die. Don't take of it in an unworthy manner. Brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, if you have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life, don't take communion this morning. Confess your sins to God. Agree with Him about your sin and turn from that. You can do that during the invitation time. You don't need to confess your sins to a priest or the preacher. You confess them to God, and He restores you. He says, if you confess your sins... I am faithful and just. He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That he's faithful and just. So you have this opportunity before we take communion uh, this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you need to come today and do that, you can. If you need to do that at your seat, you can. Maybe you're here this morning. You've been part of this church for a while, and we're going to be starting another new member class before too long. Maybe you need to come up here and say, Look, we want to be a part of the body of believers. That's important. Do you understand it's important? To be a part of the body, to use your gifts that God's given you to serve, it's important. If you need to do that this morning and tell this congregation, I want to become a member here, you can do that uh, today also. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the, the voice to get through uh, your word today, uh, God. And I pray, uh, I pray, Lord, that there's nothing in my life, Lord, that I'm making an idol out of. Lord, I pray that you just show me in my life areas that I need to change and be better and follow you more. Lord, I thank you for dying for me. Lord, if there's people here this morning that have things in their life that they're they're not bowing down to them physically, but they're bowing down to them in their heart, I pray, Lord, they turn from that. Lord, I pray they use their gifts and talents to glorify and honor you. And, Lord, I pray uh, for this church body that we are an active force this summer, this spring, in our local community, sharing the truth of who you are. Even though it, it, may, it may be inconvenient for us, it may be scary, Lord, we just share the truth. And, Lord, uh, I know you'll use that and bless that. We love you in your name I pray.
1: Between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will. dead left for dead beneath the waters, I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore, should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? In the space between all the things unseen, and this reckoning.
2: you may be seated this morning. I'm going to ask all the kids if they would please go sit next to their parents this morning. What I don't want to happen uh, today is I don't, I don't want a child to take communion not knowing. And so what I, ask, I want to ask make sure parents uh, take control of their children. Uh, not that they're wild. Not in that sense. But if they, well they are wild. Minor are, are. But uh, if, if, they, if they have profe- publicly professed Jesus Christ, they can take communion with us. If they haven't, don't let them take communion. This isn't animal cracker time, right? We can do that after, right Right after uh, this important thing. I'm going to ask our elders if they would come this morning. The Lord's Supper was, um, was, was started by Jesus himself. Uh, He had gathered with his disciples, and they were celebrating Passover. Uh, And it's found in in numerous uh, Gospels, but in Matthew chapter 26, uh, it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup, and he went, giving thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So this is a time that we reflect we, we, we reflect back on what Christ did for us. This is an individual thing that Christ did for you on the cross. And you remember, remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it's also a time, church, that we look forward to his return. I've talked about uh, outreaches this summer. I pray, uh, and my prayer is, that we're not doing outreaches this summer, that we're all in heaven together uh, in perfect harmony with no pain or sin or sickness, no no needin fisherman's cough drops from England right uh that's that's what I'm looking forward to Uh, and it's a time so as we're passing out communion uh this morning I want you to spend time uh just in in prayer thanking the Lord for what he did for you uh on the cross and so um before we pass it out I'm gonna ask Denny um let me get a a mic here because I want to make sure they can hear you online I'm gonna ask Denny if you would please bless the bread this morning Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this day thankful, Lord, for the sacrifice that was given for us. Lord, for that salvation, we pray that you would bless this bread as we partake of it in Christ's name. each other. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take ye and eat. He took the cup and he blessed it. I'm going to ask Mike if you would please bless the cup this morning.
3: Lord Jesus, sweetest, thank you, Lord, uh, for the blood that you shed on the cross, Lord. Uh, your word tells us, Lord, that we are washed clean by your blood, Lord. And so I just pray that this morning, Lord, we won't take this... Uh, this communion in vain, Lord. We just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. I pray, Amen.
2: Thank you. Jesus said, "This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take ye and drink." This was a uh, a time of rejoicing as they left, and they went out singing together. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask Andrew and Hannah if they would come back up this morning uh, please. Andrew and Hannah um, are a really amazing young couple that we've gotten to know and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but they are adding to their family again. Yeah. And so uh, I'm really excited for them and, and they've came this morning and Saying, "Hey, we want to be a part of this local body of believers," and uh, they moved out here from Washington. Um, and, correct, Washington, yeah, Washington. And so they're some West Coast transplants, and uh, I- I'm really glad that they're here. <laughs> Several of you, right? Yeah. And um, you guys have anything you want to say this morning? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Okay, that's all right. That's fine. That's fine. So here's what they do. what I want you to do after we get done singing. Uh, you'll be dismissed. Come around and congratulate them, welcome them in. We are going to be starting another new member class uh, probably in the next month or so. Um, probably 1st of May, uh, I believe, is when we'll probably start, maybe a month and a half. So, so anyway, if you, if you have questions about what does it mean to be a member of a local body of believers, uh, we, ha- we have a, a class that me and Max Hartman uh, take you through. We go through a book by Tom Rainer called I Am a Church Member, and, and it's like, what does it mean to be a member of a, a local body of believers, and how can I use my gifts, and we cover our statement of beliefs, we go through our constitution, we have you opportunities, you can ask questions, and so they'll be going through that, uh, and then we'll vote them in at a, a business meeting, uh, and, and here at, at Crossbridge, my vote, Denny's vote, all of us, it's one vote, so they're going to be voting members on things that we decide with the new building, and or anything else with ministry, just like us. We don't have a hierarchy of of leadership. So we're all in this together. We all are using our gifts and talents uh, to glorify the kingdom, and that's what's, what's important. So thank you for filling in this morning. Close us as we leave here joyfully in song.